Hebrews and um, chapter 12. And uh, you've read. And I also want to just uh, give thanks to our uh, musicians on yesterday. I was sharing with them how different the service would have been without their presence. it was a worship service, and uh, these brothers just are extremely gifted, and Don Trey, you just, bro, we love you. We love you. You're, you have a very special gift. There's an, an anointing on you guys, and the power that is activated when God is at work through your hands and through not just the, the hands, but to have the sensitivity to be led by the Spirit about the songs to choose and all that. We greatly appreciate you. Amen? Amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. We do miss our assistant pastor. Pastor Heyman cannot be here tonight. We definitely miss him, and uh, he had to work tonight. So uh, we will wish wish him a a happy uh, 2024 in advance. In verses 1 through 3, we read, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares and tangles besets us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father, at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we bless you. We thank you for what our hearts have heard. Father, there are those who are hurting today. We especially lift up Sister Diane uh, as our dear sister uh, Nina has gone home. A daughter has been taken. But God, we thank you that we know where she is. And I pray that Diane would, Sister Diane would, would experience the love of New Direction in ways that she has not experienced it before. And God, I ask even right now, move by your spirit. Talk to us as only you can. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Uh, A gentleman was trying to adjust his expenses, trying to get a business off the ground, and he realized that he was incurring uh, some very high costs, that would make it difficult for him to see profit. And one of the areas where he noticed that he was, exp- he was spending an extremely high amount of money was on his car. It was a gas guzzler. And it was important to him because he kept his equipment for his job in the trunk of his car. And so he decided that he would uh, turn this car in and purchase a new one uh, that would be more economical. And that's what he did. He went to get a a car that would offer more mileage for less gas, uh, with less gas consumption. Purchased the car, three months into buying the car, he began to balance his books and he discovered that he was paying just as much for the new car as he'd been paying for the old car. And so now he's angry because he didn't get his car from Brother Edward Mosley. <laughs> he, he thought he got, a, he got a lemon. And so he takes the car back, and he is insisting that the car be replaced. 
And so one of the, the servicemen said, well, let me take it for a test drive and, and, and look at it and see if what you're saying is correct. And he noticed as he's driving the car, it's driving very sluggishly. And so he takes it back in the shop and he does a thorough bumper-to-bumper -bumper, uh, evaluation. And then he finally, before he uh, goes back to the man and says, it does seem like there's a problem here, he said, well, pop the trunk. He pops the trunk. And inside the trunk is all of this man's tools. He got a new car, but he didn't take the junk out of the trunk. And because he had the junk in the trunk, he didn't realize that if you do the same thing the same way, you aren't going to get different results. You'll get the same results. And so this man actually did not put his past in the past, because he still was driving around with this excess, this excess weight. As I thought about that example, I was reminded of how we can be like this man, and maybe not literally speaking, we don't put junk in our life as a trunk, but when we don't put our past in the past, it's like expecting different results, but not changing anything. And I've talked to so many Christians over the years who are dedicated to their devotional life. They get on the prayer line. They, you know, they know how to do the holy dance backwards. and uh, uh, They know how to hit fifth soprano and have been in the church all their lives. But they've never put their past in the past. They have not addressed the feelings that they have about people that have offended them, that have hurt them, uh, people that did it on purpose, like Joseph. Joseph's brothers wanted him destroyed, and they meant it. And there are people who, meant, who mean to harm you, and you know that in, in hindsight and reflection. You might not have thought it at the time, and then we look back, they really, they really didn't like, they, they hated me. And then when you think about the fact that you did nothing to protect yourself or you were incapable of protecting yourself, you were a child when they took advantage of you. You were a child when you were abused. You were a child when you didn't get the love that other children experienced. You were a child when your dad left and you did nothing to deserve it and, and you had no contact and the promises that he made, I'm coming, but he never came. And so all of those things become a part of the junk in our trunk that we may not address. And when we don't, we find ourselves not experiencing the promise that Jesus made. He said, I've come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. It doesn't matter how much you pray. It doesn't matter how effectively you can exegete the scriptures. It does not matter how many scriptures you can quote if you don't forgive anybody. If you're not able or un if you're not willing to address the things that have hurt you or the things that you have done to hurt others. We must not go into 2024 carrying junk in our trunk. We cannot continue to claim how much we love Jesus with all our heart, mind, soul, and body, while at the same time we hold bitterness in our heart 
we are running reruns of what people have done to us, and we are enjoying the fact that we think that they are suffering because of what they've done. We have not put our past in the past. And today, I, you know, I could, I could share a, a sermon that would have us all ripping and running and high-fiving, but I want you to know that we will not rise any higher than our ability to deal with what Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind. I press forward towards the high mark of the calling that is in Christ Jesus. We cannot press forward when we have not dealt with our past. We must put our past in the past. And I pray that tonight that we get really serious about addressing the things. There are things that you saw that you should have never seen, but you can't unsee them. I can remember things that I've seen as a child, and I can still see them, but I should have never seen them. Now, I have a choice. I can allow those experiences to impact my ability to have healthy relationships in the present, or I can get the junk out of the trunk. I can put my past in the past. When we come to Hebrews chapter 12, the writer to this book, he is addressing Christians who have scattered, who are fleeing, who are running for their lives. Their only crime is that they have accepted Jesus and are unwilling to deny him. But to hold claim to their commitment with Jesus means that they lost things that mattered to them. They lost jobs. They, relationships ended. Families denied them. Uh, families ratted on, betrayed them, and they were taken into custody. And many of them, by the time you get to Hebrews, the end of Hebrews chapter 11, they were actually executed, fed to lions, cut in two, uh, uh, impaled on, 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 uh, on, on trees and as, a, as, an in, as a way of keeping people from making a public profession of Jesus. And so they, they're fleeing for their lives, and many of them are now struggling with regret. Many of them are balancing or are, are, are contemplating, maybe we made a bad decision. And so the author of the, to the book of Hebrews basically is saying, put your past in the past. Let's not return to what we, we lost because, like Paul said, everything that we thought was worth anything was really what kept us from what mattered most, and that's Jesus. And because we understand that on this side of the cross, he said, I count all that I gained is dung, is refuge, is manure. And so he addresses these believers who are reminiscing, it could have been better, should be better, and if I, if I could just return to what I once had. And so he shows them in this portion of Scripture how they could put the past in the past and on, in order that they, like those who are record, that, we, that we are going to speak about in Hebrews chapter 11, who became a part of God's Hall of Fame of the faith, when you get an opportunity in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, the writer to the, it shows us about people who were able to put the past, their past in the past. They were able to unload the trunk that was in the trunk. If you're going to do that in 2024, 
If this is going to really be different, and we're going to stop talking about it, we're getting around to it, and you don't understand what they did, if you had been there, if it had happened to you. No, 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 it doesn't matter. God allowed it. And as James says, he said, count it all joy when you experience diverse testing for the purpose of testing is to perfect your faith. Said, but let 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 tests have their have their perfect work that they might bring you to a place of a uh, 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 perseverance where you learn how to wait on God, how to wait on God, how to wait on God, and all that's not even a part of the sermon. Let me get started here. So there were three. There are basically three things that are necessary if you're going to really grow in Christ. I, I'm sick of Christians talking about how much they love Jesus, and you can't stand the person that you're sitting next to. You don't even speak to them. You ain't going to pray for them. If you do, you're just faking it. God knows our hearts. The Bible says man looks at the outward appearance, but God knows your heart. Amen? And so what we're going to discover is if you're serious about really getting to a place where we can walk in the exceeding and the abundant beyond what we can ask and comprehend, you're going to have to deal with your past. First thing that we're going to learn here in Hebrews chapter 12 is that the reason why we can deal with what is in our past, no matter what it is, no matter how much it hurts you, no matter how unfair it was, no matter who did it and and, and how they treated, maybe they will never apologize. Maybe the person who did it is now gone. I don't know where they are. But here's the truth. To put our past in the past, the first thing that we need to claim is this. You can do it. You can. You can. Say, I can. I can. He says in verse 1 of chapter 12, he said, therefore, we are, since, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness. So that whenever you see a therefore, you need to know what it's there for. It's a summation word. It's a word of conclusion. It's a, it's a word that says, in re, this is a result of something that has preceded. And so it could be rendered, consequently, since this happened, therefore, or since these things have happened, what I'm about to say is possible. So what the apostle who wrote this book basically is saying, the reason why we can put our past in the past, even though we're under persecution, we're being mistreated, is because it's been done before. It's been done before. And so... You're not the first person that's going, that went through something. I'm not the first person, and you won't be the last. Amen? And so he, he gives us this, he says, this great cloud of witnesses are the testimonies of Christians who walk by faith in spite of the, 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 the troubles that they were experiencing. He starts with Abel. Abel was raised in a dysfunctional home. His parents were... Adam and Eve, they got kicked out of the garden. Adam sinned, and they found themselves in a, in a, in a, in a place that was no longer beautiful. I, I can see it's like a shack, probably, kicked out of the garden. But even though he was in a dysfunctional home because of sin, the Bible says that Abel offered up a more perfect offering than his brother Cain. He continued to worship. He was able to put his past in the past. Then there was Enoch. Well, actually, Abel was followed by Seth, and then Seth was followed by Enoch, and both of them walked with the Lord, even though their peers did not. 
They were able to put their past in the past, irregardless to what their, their circumstances were. Then there was Noah. Noah preached for 120 years while people were calling him names. They were criticizing him. They were laughing at him. And it never rained. And here he is building an ark, talking about it's going to rain. You better get ready. And uh, God's going to you know, rain down uh, uh, judgment from heaven. And, and he continued to do that for 120 years. He was able to, it's irregardless to the fact that evil was pervasive on the earth, Noah was able to put his past in the past by continuing to obey God. Then there was Abraham. Abraham dealt with uh, uh, separation anxiety. He never settled down. It was always moving from one place to another. Uh, he, he was a nomad. God said, I want you to leave. Everything that, that makes you comfortable, all of the things that are crutches in your life, I want you to pack up and leave. And I'm taking you to a place that you don't know. Guess what Abraham did? packed up his stuff, and he started moving. But he never settled down. He was able to put his past in the past, even though he, 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 he was not, in his entire lifetime, able to fully realize the promise. Abraham had sons, Isaac and Jacob. Jacob, we know, had 12 sons. And Jacob was a swindler. He was the, the one who lied and stole the birthright of his brother Esau. And as a result of that, he found himself fleeing from Esau. He, 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 was, he fled for 20 years. But then God says, you got to go back to your, you got you to put your past in the past. You got to go back. Some of us got some Esau's in our life. There's some folk we got to deal with. There's some people that we've been running from. There's some situations that we've been, been ignoring. And God said, you got to go back. You got to deal with the Esau's in your life. So there was Jacob. Jacob, the Lord changed his name and made him uh, knew from the inside out his name was no longer Jacob, but now God was calling him Israel. Israel. Now Israel had a, he had Israel had twelve sons, and one son of promise ended up being Joseph. Remember the story of Joseph? His brothers threw him in a pit. They stripped him of all his clothes. They sold him into slavery. Then he finally got to Egypt, uh, and they they changed his name, cut all his hair off, made him a, made him bald before bald was popular. And he ended up working in the house of a man named Potiphar, and he excelled. Even though he came out of an abusive background, he was able to put his past in the past. He wasn't, oh, woe is me. Nobody know the trouble I see. And you would think he was finally stable and things were going fine. And then Potiphar's wife said, that dude's fine. That brother is fine. He's about to be mine. <laughs> and so we, we know the story of Potiphar's wife, how she plotted Got all the nice perfume on. I could just hear the Luther Vandross going on. And she got the atmosphere right, put all of the, the, the staff, sent them home early, uh, gave them some Popeye's chicken, told them come back tomorrow. And there's old Joseph just being faithful. And she said, you can, you can, you can have me tonight. Nobody will know. And, of course, we know that Joseph was able to say, my boss has given me authority over everything but you. He said, I'm not doing this. If he, even if he had given me permission to, 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 do, to, to be swinging with you, this would be an offense to God. So I'm not going to do it because it would, it, would be, it would be a sin against God. And so he did. And so you would think she'd say, what a godly man. What a Oh, my goodness, this brother just sold out to Jesus and really living for the Lord and putting the Bible. In. No, the Bible says she grabbed him 
when I touch this brother and he feel these soft hands. <laughs> and he pulled away and she clung to him so forcefully that she actually pulled a portion of his garments off. And then she told, told her husband, she said, hey, say, you leave men around me. Look what they do. And he ended up in jail for seven years for a crime he never committed. And he excelled in jail because the Bible says God was with him. God was with him. God was with him. But if he had not been able to put his past in the past, he would have been bitter. But the story gets even better. After seven years, he's, he is elevated to second in charge under Pharaoh in Egypt. And here are his brothers doing what the prophecy said they would do. They were bowing down. And Joseph was able to say, what you meant for, if he couldn't put his past in the past, oh my goodness, can, can you imagine? These guys did all that to you, and you finally on a position. You can, you, I mean, you don't just kill them, you torture them. I want, I want to enjoy this. I'm going to starve this one, I'll burn that one. And I, no, 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 that's not how I think, y'all. Come on now. <laughs> but instead, he said, what God was sending me here, to save a nation. When you're able to put your past in the past, to clear the junk out of your trunk, you will understand that God was at work even in the midst of what you didn't understand, even in the midst of what was hurting you, that God was causing all things to work together for your good and his glory. The stuff that you feel like you not you can't let go, you can't get over, you just don't understand it. Why won't he get it? Why won't she get it? God's trying to use that because the way it works, it keeps coming back until you learn, until you get it. So it may not be him, it'll be another him. Joseph was followed by Moses, and we know Moses had a criminal background. He had some, he had some charges up against him. And when God told him to go back, he said, I can't. I, I, I'm a failure, and they know my reputation, and I'm fleeing for my life. And, 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 if I, and, and, and so he wasn't, able, he wasn't able to put his past in the past until the Lord said, surely I'll be with you. And so when you cannot put your past in the past, you will forfeit your future. But thank God that Moses ultimately obeyed. Then there was Joshua. Joshua, he had followed under the leadership of Moses for 40 years. He saw all kinds of craziness. And one of the craziest things he saw was when the nation of Israel was at the brink of Middletown, getting ready to move into their new property. And he sent 12 spies into the land to check out Middletown, get the census and the demographics and learn what they could learn. And they come back and they say, man, that fruit was good. What they build, do a lot of building out in Middletown. A lot of young families out in Middletown. But you know what? They don't go to church in Middletown. They got giants out in Middletown. They got this and that out in Middletown. We cannot, we cannot, we will not succeed. Ten of the 12 spies voted against, vote against the vision that God gave to Moses. And Joshua witnessed him and Caleb were the only ones that said, surely if God has already said it, it's ours. And so here they are, 40 years later, Joshua has succeeded Moses, and they're on the brink of the promised land, and he's facing not the, not, and he's not facing the Red Sea, but the Jordan River. So now he got to put his past 
in the past because if he doesn't, he's going to be having some flashbacks, some triggers that, man, we've been here before. Somebody say, we can do this because it's been done. Not only has it been done, he says, therefore, going back, these, this cloud of witnesses, the ones that I've just mentioned, they successfully dealt with their past and, and, and obeyed God in the present, and now we're reading about them in God's Hall of Fame of Faith. He said, if they did it, we can do it. But the reason they were able to do it is because their trials, their tests were measured. We always quote, I quote this, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It said, there is no temptation that has taken you, but such that it's common to man. But God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But with every temptation, what does he do? He makes a way for you to escape so that you can bear it. And so whatever you're going through, whatever hurt you, whatever somebody did to you, God measured it in such a way that it didn't destroy you. God wants to develop you, not destroy you. God wants to develop you, not destroy you. It's been measured. It's been done so we can do it. I don't know what happened to you. I don't know what they said to you. I don't know what you should have gotten, but they kept it. I can tell you stories. If we, in fact, if we all start talking about what we've gone through, we all be crying. Oh, God, we have a party tear. You're talking about some tear-jerking stories. But God said, put behind you that which is behind and press. It's been done. It's been done. Corey Timboom, some of you know the story. She's Christian, her and her family. During Second World War, they helped Jews to escape Nazi uh, Poland or Holland. And when the Germans finally discovered that Timboom's family was doing it, they took the entire family into custody, put them in concentration camps. One of uh, Timboom's sister, Betsy, was taken to concentration camp. She actually never made it out. She died in a, concert, a German concentration camp. One of the times, once, once, once the war was over, Tim Boone was free. She became an international speaker for Christians about how God forgives and how he delivered them. And one day, he, she was giving a speech, and she was sharing that the place that the women lived was supervised by male soldiers. And they would watch the women as they would go into the shower and come out of the shower. And she said, I saw women repeatedly raped, and the ones that resisted were just murdered. And she said, I I witnessed that, and God enabled me to survive it. And at the end of the speech, she gets a standing ovation, and an older gentleman kind of comes out of the audience. He begins to shake her hand. He said, you know what? I really appreciate that message. It just touched my heart, especially the part about forgiveness. She said, I'm glad you liked it. She said, because I was one of those guards. I was one of those guards assigned to your dorm. And right now, I need you to forgive me with the same kind of forgiveness that you said Jesus has extended to you. And she said she stood there in disbelief that she was actually looking in the face of one of her tormentors. And she began to think about the women who had been raped and the women who had been humiliated. And she thought about her sister, Betsy, who had never made it out of the concentration camp. And then an overwhelming power of the Holy Spirit just came, took, took, consumed her. And she said she found herself embracing the man and saying, I forgive you. And they both, they both wept uncontrollably. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
<laughs> well, that's Corey Temple. I'm glad you can do that because I know what I've been doing to that old brother. I've be, I been dusting him up. I said, oh, the Lord has brought my enemies. <laughs> yeah, brother, I'll show you some forgiveness. I'm Old Testament, an eye for an eye and a two for a two. <laughs> yeah, well, let's see what God can have of you when I'm finished with you. But just like she forgave because of the presence of the Holy Spirit and God's un- how much? how many of you know God loves us like that? He don't have to love you. None of us are worthy. The Bible says by his mercies we are not consumed. That's the only reason we're not consumed. But the scripture says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says that God has poured his love into our hearts by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So we have a reservoir of unlimited, unconditional love that is residing in our bosom. And what happens when the Holy Spirit takes control, you can actually love your enemies and pray for them who despitefully use you and bless people who curse you. That's the super supernatural power of God at work in the church. It's not quoting scriptures. It's actually allowing the spirit of God to do the supernatural. That You wouldn't do that on your own. You couldn't do that on your own because it's not by our might nor by our power, but it is by his spirit. You have the love of God living in you, and because his spirit is in you, you can put your past. You can don't tell me I can't do that. You don't know how hard this is. Well, do you? Are you saved? Are you saved? Does God do that for us? Not only can we do it, we must do it. Say, I must do it. Let's personalize this thing. He says, in verse, he said, "Let us lay aside every weight." That's a command. Let us lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily entangles us, ensnares us, captures us. So he basically says three things that we must do. The first thing is we must lay aside, say lay aside, aside. every weight. When, When the scripture talks about laying aside, What that means is there's some things that we need to strip off. There's some things that you just need to throw away. Don't even think about it. Just get rid of it. Don't even let it entertain your thoughts. Don't make provision. Sometimes we can try to justify evil in our mind by just entertaining it. No, 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 no. The Bible said don't even give place for what is done in secret. Don't even even think about it. There's some things you just need to lay aside, to strip away, to throw away, to toss to make a decision, a decisive act. I am no longer going to allow this to park and rent space in my thought life. I am casting this out. We say this all the time. Cast your care upon him because he can't. Well, that's what this means. Lay it aside. There's some things you need to say. When, a, when, a, when somebody getting ready to run a race, they ain't going to be running in no sweatsuit and gold chain and, you know, medallion and big old heavy sneakers, and you used to wear the weights around our ankle. Remember that? That's what make you faster, jump high. It never made me run faster. It just helped me get more flat-fitted. But uh, in any case, 
When you're getting ready to run, there's some things you got to take off to, in order to run with the swiftness and the, and, and, and the ability to, to, to put, reach your fullest potential to win against the competition. You've got to take off the weights. You got to strip some stuff off. What are some things you need to take away? What's some things you need to throw away? He says, wait, wait, wait. And it's interesting that the weights are external. These are things that these are triggered. These are things that are outside of us. And I just went through a, a, there's a whole thing that I can, but a list. One of the things that a weight is that one would be in, in terms of relationships. I want to just kind of really zero down on that. Relationships. That is, the Bible says, therefore, if you are offering your, your gift at the altar in there, there you remember that a brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. Don't try to have church. Don't give your gift. Bring it later, but leave the offer. First go and be what? Reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. The first thing that you need to take off and strip away is your, uh, our tendency to be unwilling to acknowledge when we've hurt somebody and need to apologize. Sometimes you did something wrong. You may not have done it on purpose. He said, if you get to the altar, you, you right in the, I'm in my hoop, and the Lord said, you know what you did. I, I, I was a time I was struggling with ice def, iron deficiency, and I go every day. I have my, 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 my ice spots. Royal Farms has the best ice. And I would go to Royal Farms to get my big cup. And I, I, I eat it. Oh, I eat that ice like it was the, the best candy that they were selling. And I went to a Royal Farms over there in, 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 off of Old Baltimore uh, Pike. And the lady said, you got to pay for the ice. Pay for the ice. Man, I told her in most, my most unsanctified, I said, I ain't paying for no ice. Why do you think, well, you must think, you know, you must think I'm crazy if I'm going to pay for the I just, I just, this poor woman just doing her job. Now, don't look at me strange. I know I, I, sh I shouldn't behave like that. But I needed my ice. I needed this ice. And I said, I ended up paying. She said, it's going to be $69, some kind of ice. I gave her the dollar and left the ice. I ain't going to take. you going to make me pay? And then as I'm driving away, heading to church for Bible study, <laughs> going to the altar, <laughs> getting ready to talk about Jesus. The Holy Spirit said, you offended that woman. That was wrong. I turned around, and I drove all the way back there. I guess that lady thought I was coming back to, I said, miss, I said, you know what? I am so sorry. I had no right to talk to you that way. You're simply doing your job. I'm wrong. And I walked out. And she was just Dumbfounded. Whoa, who does that? Christians. We stripping off anything that's going to keep us. Because the Bible says if we, if we walk in the light, the in the light, we have fellowship with one another. You can't fellowship one another if you, if you can't acknowledge when you're wrong. You can't fellowship one another if you can't ask for forgiveness. But what about when people offend us? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 15, when you get a chance, he says, someone offends you. They did it to you. He says, you go to that person in private, and you tell them what they did. Not to be right, but to be what? Reconciled. You got to strip off. We got all this. We'll tell everybody under the sun what somebody did to us. 
Yeah, and uh, I tell you, I just really have a problem with some of those folks, and, you know, they just don't know how to listen to that and the other. What are you going to tell that person? What are you going to tell that person? I'll keep you myself. I preached a sermon one time. I was talking about single parents and how many single parents, uh, the, the percentage of them that don't grant and the income and so forth. Just give me statistics. I just spit the fact. I go back three years later, and a single parent walks up. She said, says, I forgive you now. Forgive me? I said, well, what did I do? She said, you said that, that single parents are poor. I never said that. But for three years, you've been mad at me? Guess what? When you hold a grudge against somebody, I, had, I didn't lose any sleep over that because I didn't know I did anything wrong. So if someone hurts you, you go to them in love. And sometimes we got to give some people grace because they're new in Christ. And so they don't know how to say it just right. So the brother got him give a touch and said, God is one hell of a God. And he's just going, and he's just, I mean, he started getting all these, all these adjectives. I can imagine how Peter testified. Oh, foul. Peter was still cussing. He was with Jesus for three years, still cussing and packing, getting ready to cut somebody's ear off. So when somebody offends you, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll stop with this one. There's so many angry people, not just men. These are women, too, mad. Every morning you pull up on the, uh, off of uh, 273 and you're going off to Route 1, just trying to get on the, you know, get, go off that entrance ramp. Oh, my goodness. It's like they look over you, they look at them, like, I dare you to try to go up there before me. Come on and try it. Please try it. I dare. I'll run you off the road. And then on the back of the car, honk if you love Jesus. What do you mean honk if I love Jesus? The Bible says, be angry and sin not. How many times do we violate that command by going to bed angry? I know I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that. And then I explode and I said, Lord, I had, why am I so angry? Because I never dealt with the anger that happened on that given day. God never promised to give us extra strength for, for another day. He said, I'll give you your, I'll provide your daily bread. But when we carry anger over to the next day, I only have enough strength to deal with today's problem. And so when you go to bed angry, you haven't removed, you haven't stripped the weight. And the weights are anything that will keep you from growing spiritually. Some of us have been struggling with the same thing for 30 years. We haven't stripped it away. Let me, let me, let me, let me run on. We need to refuse to go to bed angry. Somebody say, I'm going to stop that. Let me move on. So the first thing is we can put the past in the past because it's been done. We can. We can. We can put the past in the past because we're, we must. We're commanded to. And he says, while weights are external, encumbrances are inside. These are things. These are strongholds. These are life-dominating sins. These are things that you have been defeated by for many years in your life. I don't know what they are in your life. You may be a person who, as soon as something comes up, you just immediately become fearful and worried and, 
and negative and pessimistic. You just all of, all of a sudden see the bottom. The world's falling apart. There's some people like that. You have a life-dominating sin. You have something. In, in the, well, here's how you know when you got a life-dominating sin. When you are really under pressure, what, do you, what is your go-to? What is your go-to? And here's what a lot of people do. This is, this is a subtle life-dominating sin. When we come out and name it and claim it, ain't he all right? Another blessing for another, all that. That's what we go to. That stuff don't work. When you're going through, when that's, your ship's about to sink, name it and claim your ring, get your hand real loud, all of that, you better be anchored in the scriptures. What do you go through when you are really under the gun? That will reveal where you are spiritually, and it often will reveal that I know what my weaknesses are. I know. I know where I can go when I'm feeling a certain way. I know, because that was an area in my life that dominated me. Where do you go when the enemy is turning up the heat? Let me quickly help you with this some more. Here's how you're going to deal with the, the encumbering, the entangling, the ensnarements, the things that trap us. First, you need to identify the besetting sin. What is that area in your life? This is what, this is what messes Christian up because we lie. We act like we got it all together. Hey, ain't he all right? Yeah, Jesus is good all the time. All the time, God is good. You're getting ready to go home and have a blowout with your wife. You know you're getting ready to have a fight. What is the besetting sin? Are you unforgiving? And you quick to hope judgment on somebody when something bad happens to them, but if it happened to you, you expect the grace and mercy of God and great supply. What is your besetting sin? What you got us, you got this year going to 2021. Where's the area where I've been defeated? And this thing, every time it decides to knock me out, I just I find myself on the canvas. What is it? What is yours? Confess that as sin. It's sin. I'm going back to forgiveness. If you don't forgive people, you hold grudges, you are in sin. I don't care who you're witnessing to, how much Bible you're preaching and teaching, and how much you're shaking people's hand, you are in sin. He said, if you don't forgive others, guess what? I ain't forgiving you. And when you don't have forgiveness, what God does, there's a, I said, I want to shower down blessings from heaven that you can't even receive. But when there's unforgiveness, he's just sending you trickles. And sometimes we're so used to trickles and drops that we think that's abundance. That's not abundance. It's called scarcity. It's called divine judgment. It's called God is not pleased. Confess it. And you want to make no provision for the fulfilling of less. So there's some things. I ain't going to some places. I ain't doing it. Care how much alcohol you put around. I ain't drinking it. Not good with that. Carrot cake. Mm. I ain't no mac and cheese, dude. Mm. Fried chicken. I mean, <laughs> what preacher don't like fried chicken? All right. And I'm, I'm so so. Don't make provisions to fulfill the lusts of your flesh. You identify what that besetting sin is. You confess it as sin and don't make provisions for it. Why are you hanging around folk that, doing, that, that aren't walking with the Lord? The Lord said, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion has light with darkness. He said, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unseen clean things, and I will receive you. Be not conformed. To the, you know the scriptures. We know it. 
Don't make provision for the fulfilling of lust of flesh. And then allow spiritually mature people. This is a big one. I've said this for years. And then I ask myself, is this true of me? Who can challenge you? Who can call your stuff out and you okay with it? I hope people know that I can be challenged. I'm not wrong that often, but my wife knows it a couple times. But seriously, I don't mind being called out. I, I, I believe what these young brothers did this morning, that was transparency. With these testimonies tonight, nobody was hiding anything. We got a real church. The Bible is real. It shows all of the warts. This ain't no made-up cosmetic story. This is people with all their warts exposed but doing great things for God because they acknowledge their sin. So who do you have in your life that can say, you know what? You're wrong. You're wrong. Besetting sin, ensnaring sin. Here's the the final thing. Let us run with perseverance the race that is set before. I'm not going to preach this whole thing. Let us run with perseverance the race that has been set before us. What that means is start now. Let us run. Get running. Get to stepping. Stop talking about this foolishness. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forget. I'm going to work on this. I'm going to finally get my... No, 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 no. You've been saying that for 10 years. The mold on growing under that. Now, when you talk to, here's what happened. When you don't, when you hold grudges, by the time you get around to dealing with it, 10 years later, you done created 10 other scenarios of how bad it was. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. But to hold on to it, the devil has to narrate it and embellish it. So get running, start running. That's the first thing he said. Let us, with perseverance, let us get some grit. Let us get some toughness. How do you get tough? Get in the race. Start running. And he says, do it with perseverance. Stop quitting. You can, we start out, we got all these resolutions. We're not going to go to the gym. Monday morning, the gym's going to be packed. You ain't going to be able to get in there. You're going to be sliding in there sideways. That's going to go for about two weeks. And then, then it's going to be the way it always was. Stop quitting. I'm going to do a series. Fight for your family. Fight for your children. Fight for relationships. The only relationships that are going to last beyond the grave are your relationships with your Christian sisters and brothers. We will dwell in heaven together. It it makes sense to me that we might as well get along while we're down here. Stop quitting. Stay in the lane. Stay in your lane. He says, run the race that has been marked out for you. This is our problem. We talked about, uh, Evan talked about brainwashing, being, being more concerned about what people think than what God thinks. There's a race that has been marked out for you. You don't need to be comparing yourself with other people. How fast are they going? What they driving today? Where they live at? What they wearing? Did they lose a couple pounds and I didn't lose a couple pounds? Did they get, no, 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 no. He says, run the race that has been marked. What is your purpose? What is your call? What are your gifts? What has God assigned you to do? Stay in your lane. And then we can put our past in power. I'm going to stop. I ain't going to go no more. We're going to stop right there. Amen. Unless y'all tell me to go on, but we're going to stop right there. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Um, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Stand with me. Stand with me. Y'all don't need a whole bunch of more teaching. You just need to do what we t- 
Put your past in the past. Clear out that trunk. Write some names down of people that you need to call, that you need to apologize to, that you need to say. And when, you, when, you, when somebody has offended you, don't do it on the phone. Don't do it through text message if you can, unless you can't do it any other way. Meet them in person. And humbly, not aggressively, tell them, this is how you hurt me. I realize what I did, and it's wrong. Somebody may have offended you, but now you're in sin because you haven't forgiven them for offending you. The devil is a liar. How much more can you grow in Christ if we finally make up our minds? We're going to deal with this biblically. We're going to start really, what does the scripture say about how to address broken relationships? If we do that, I'm telling you, we won't have enough space to put people in this in our, when we move. God is already doing that because prayer is breaking yokes. I felt that yesterday as we were in that service. I felt people being set free. I felt people were hating each other. All of a sudden, love was beginning to enter into that room. That's what God will do when we put our past in the past. Some of you heard me tell the story of Billy. He had his hand screaming out loud because he got his hand caught in a vase. Expensive vase. When his father and mother ran in, three and a half years old, he couldn't get his hand out of that vase, and they tried everything because it was expensive. They didn't want to break So he put oil on it. He twisted it. He pulled it, put butter on it, put water on it, put everything that he knew to get that vase off of Billy's hand. And Billy just screamed, ah! Zion doesn't do that, but he's, ah! And then his dad noticed that his hand was in a fist inside of that vase. And then dad said, what do you have in your hand, Billy? He said, a quarter my granddaddy gave. It's mine, and you can't have it. And it's the only quarter I got, and I'm going to keep it. And then he, said, he said, Billy, if you let your hand, if you open your hand and release the coin, I can get your hand out. And Billy just protested, no, I'm not doing it. You're trying to get my money. And he finally opened his hand, and he let the quarter go, and immediately his hand came out of eyes. What are you holding on to? What is trapping you in the past? What does God want to free? You don't even, you can't even begin to realize if you walk in this kind of liberty and freedom, the power of God that will be activated in your life. Because that's a real testimony that I was able to forgive my enemy and love those who hated me and bless people who cursed me. Release it release it. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of